You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to The Comedy Cellar Show. We're here with Dan Nanerman, Kristen Mon- Kristen Gonzalez, Dave Juskow, and we have uh, Barry Crimmins is going to join us in a minute. How are you, Dan? Well, you know, recall that uh, I had a choice to make a couple of weeks ago. I was trying to decide whether to do a corporate gig for uh, a few thousand dollars in... Uh, California versus uh, the Michael J. Fox Parkinson fundraiser right. yeah, for no money, and I elected to do the Parkinson's fundraiser. Smart choice. Well, I did it, and uh, I was a little disappointed. It wasn't quite the celebrity, uh, you know. Um, Event really? Well, there were a few there. There was, but you know, it wasn't as much as I thought it would be. Huh. But I'm glad I did it because I probably would have regretted it if I didn't. But here's the thing: um, I got Michael's number, and no, Michael I'm, J. Fox's yeah, number. Yeah, I got his number. What? Yeah. And a uh, very nice guy, as you might imagine. And uh, But I invited him down to the comedy cellar. Yeah. I assume it's okay if we bring him down and comp him and uh, as our as the comedy cellar guest. <laughs> he always has to do this on the air. As, as, my, fa- <laughs> as my father always said, my famous story when Hot Tim asked my father, Manny, I don't know who to charge and who not to charge. My father said, listen, if they're struggling and really trying to make it in the world, they pay. <laughs> if they're rich and famous, they don't pay. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll take that as a, uh, as a uh, yes, we can comp them. Yes, of course we can comp. Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox Alex, was the Alex reason Keaton. I'm a Republican. Absolutely. Um, he's the reason you're a Republican. He's the reason you watch Family Ties. I swear to God, I wanted to be him so badly. I don't know why. You're a Republican, used to dress, Dave? Yeah, I used to dress in a jacket and tie all the time and carry a briefcase. I swear, that's all I wanted to be. I swear to really? God. Really? Yeah. Well, does that mean you voted for Trump? You. you know, it, it means what it is. <laughs> I'm, re- I'm registered as a Republican. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even believe you admit to being registered as a Republican. I don't mind You must that. really have given up on your career. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it hasn't worked out so well. That's why you never heard of me before. <laughs> no, it, it, it is really like that. Um, the, uh, the, the few people I know who voted for Trump, they, re- they, they swear me to secrecy. They swear me to secrecy. It's amazing. That's how we won. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, there, is a few that, there are a few comics that were... F- there are a few comics that I noticed that once Trump won, they, they went on Facebook and saying they voted for him. Who's that? Um, Mark DeMeo, uh, Jimmy Fallon. I didn't know. I mean, maybe they were saying it before, but I didn't notice. Do I know? Am I supposed to know these people? Nick DiPaolo. I was going to say <laughs> Nick DiPaolo. Nick DiPaolo. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, now, I'll tell you who did the whole time. Norton, Norton, Norton was supporting Trump publicly the whole was time. Was he? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. This guy, Ari Tiemann, was supporting him the whole I mean, he doesn't work here. He was? Yeah, supporting him the whole time. And uh, on Facebook. I, I mean, I, I didn't see these others, but I think some people kind of came out of the closet after the victory. Yeah. But, but um, I have to say I admire anybody that was willing to support him. I didn't, I didn't vote for him, but I, I kind of have to admire anybody that was on Facebook, especially before he won, saying that, they're, that they support Trump. You know, I, I, it's just like when anybody's willing to take a stand like that against a complete tidal wave going in the other way, I have, have to have a little respect for him. I agree with you, Dan. Yeah, well, I'm glad we're yeah, in court. I, got, I mean, I got a friend who was doing that on Facebook nonstop, and now his whole family won't invite him to Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, he's a great crazy. guy. I, just... in, in my family, uh, they're having a huge fa- my not blood family, <laughs> my marriage. They're having a huge uh, Facebook fight about Trump, and literally families are breaking apart about this. It's going to be a strange Thanksgiving for lots of people. And I, you know, but how much of it is informed? 
I feel like people like they were interviewing these pe- the people that were protesting, yeah. and like they couldn't sound more. Yeah, but just have, you, have you ever heard dumb? Of yeah, all right. Exactly. I like I'm, you know. Just, I don't but, think they know why they're protesting. They don't know. They don't know. Have you ever heard a Trump supporter? A lot of them don't no, know either. Actually, I the one person they interviewed who sounded intelligent was a Trump, an Arab guy who voted for Trump. Uh, Strange, but. <laughs> All right. Well, we have with us now Barry Crimmins. It's a famous name in the comedy world. I, I'm not intimately familiar with him, but I've wait, heard wait, wait. Till, well, you can introduce him. Wait till he. Well, sits I don't really down. know him, no. Well, so uh, you okay. can introduce him. Okay. okay. Do you know him? No. Okay. No. Well, we'll get to know him. For goodness' sakes, that's and, why he's here. And Stephen, you come, come sit here too. Stephen is our our our. I don't know what he is. Hello. Our booker. Hi. Booker. Hi. Well, he's our booker. Uh, sure. Liaison. Dave, Dave Duskow, Dan Natterman, nice Kristen. Yeah, we met. The reason you're here is because you were recommended by a fellow goes by the name of Kurt Metzger. Highly recommended. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, you wow. you are Kurt Metzger's hero. Yes. But anyway, this is <laughs> Barry Crimmins, who is a uh, a legendary name in the the world of stand up comedy. Uh, one of the founders of comedy in Boston, which most people know. I actually was in Boston at, at that time with a Sweeney Meany show. Uh-huh. I was going right. to college there. Um, and uh, he had what was the name of that Chinese restaurant? The Ding Ho. And okay. um, and he had there's a documentary now on Netflix which I highly recommend. It's called Call Me Lucky. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Me, yep. Uh, which uh, chronicles his unbelievable life. And uh, anyway, welcome to the show, Mr. Barry. Crimmins. Thank you. I keep nodding to you, which probably isn't good on a podcast. We, we were <laughs> <laughs> we were discussing before you got here comedians that voted for Trump and 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 uh, how most of them didn't have the balls to admit it. Uh, so I was wondering if you have anything to say about that. Um, well, I'm not going to admit voting for Trump. <laughs> <laughs> he's, an, he's an outspoken uh, Howard Zim-like yeah, uh, yeah, liberal, yeah, correct? Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I'm sure some did, but uh, probably more if they lived in New York or whatever. The thing that everyone's catching on to now, the Electoral College. I, I get less upset about specific votes if I know people are in specific states. It doesn't matter. You could vote. I mean, you know. Trump could have cured cancer the night before the election. He wasn't going to win New York. Now, yeah. if the guy lives in Florida or Ohio, that hurts. Yeah, well, there's been a lot of talk about reforming the Electoral College. Never going to happen. And why do you say that? Because it requ- would require three-quarters of the states, and th- at least three-quarters of the states uh, are, are going to object to losing their influence. Um, wh- you know, uh, th- why would they come to Iowa to campaign? I mean, uh, and... You know, there's, I don't know how Barry feels about it. There's a, you know, there's a trade-off to it because we do want to somehow represent the entire country. And as the coasts, you know, have more and bigger and bigger populations, in, in a kind of sense, it, it might become unfair to the heartland. You know, I, I don't know. It, it's a tough call. I, I, I also suspect that if, like in New York and California, in, except probably in Staten Island, there's almost no contested races so that people who are, are Republican or conservative they probably don't even bother to go out and vote you know so the popular vote might change a little bit if every like in Ohio everybody votes right because they know their vote counts in New York and California why why vote if you oppose if you if you're yeah. if you're a red state guy you know so I don't know I don't know what do you think Harry? well if you're in an, on the devil's advocate here if you were to go to a popular vote, you know, a lot of campaigns, a lot of presidential campaigns, they're down to by Labor Day. They're not going to be in more than eight or ten states for the rest of the campaign. So, I mean, it might actually bring it to some other states more than, 
you know, they'll show up in New York and California because of fundraising and things, but in Texas, but, you know, they're kind of decided. But there's a lot of extra votes out there to invigorate if maybe the national popular vote, that would be the, you know, the, yeah. that's just that's just devil's advocacy. I mean, on, on the face of it, the popular vote shouldn't outrage anybody as a, as a formula for deciding an no. election. No, no. But it, it, we have what we have. Um, first of all, in this absolutely riveting and fantastic documentary, and I had I had no idea it was going to be so powerful. Uh, Bobcat's a great uh, film. I mean, yeah, did was, he approach you about yeah. it? Yeah, Bobcat did. Directed by Bobcat Goldthwait, who also no, he, you probably know him from the uh, Robert Kelly Live at the Village Underground. <laughs> <laughs> he directed that. But yeah, but yeah, you were you were struck by lightning. Yeah, just the once. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do it. You want to tell that story? It's an amazing I was, thing. I was at the uh, either the rock festival with uh, the dad, the band, and the Almond Brothers in uh, Watkins Glen in New York in 72 or 3. I guess it was 73. It was one of my good years. And uh, <laughs> I was in one tent. I was in one tent, and, uh, and I'm going to run to the other tent to get some pot. Uh, <laughs> I think the statutes run on this. And, and, and so... Uh, and this uh, woman in, in the tent we were in, this big tent we're all gathering in, said, oh, take an umbrella with you. And I'm a 19-year-old kid. It's like, I never used an umbrella in my life. You know, I was still walking directly through mud puddles at this point, you know. And so, yeah. Okay. So I get outside and I open the umbrella up and it's this clear plastic thing. And I look at it and go, this thing is like a lightning rod. And I blammo. And oh, my I, God. Uh, <laughs> I was high up on the hill. And the band later released their uh, album, uh, live from Watkins Glen, and the storm that I got hit by lightning is on the album. So uh, you know, you might maybe even the blast that hit me. Is on wow! The album. Did it knock know. you out? Does it? It kind of blew me into the air, and then I came down, and then I ran around in circles, going, "Holy shit! I got hit by lightning!" And I, you know, <laughs> oh I, I, I should have started a cult right then and there. <laughs> I want all your women, money, and drugs. <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing. Well, you, you weren't unconscious. You didn't get knocked. No, out? I didn't get knocked. Out. I had on boat shoes. You remember those? That, like yeah. Canvas, it was, that's what saved me. The Boat shoes. So. I mean, wow. rubber bottoms. You wow. didn't know your clothes weren't all burned. No, but the umbrella was like from a cartoon. It was black. Porsche. Yeah, you know, it was like, yeah, it was just a stick with this, <laughs> so you know, wow. smoking black. I mean, it's funny now, on. but that yeah. must have been. Did you terrifying. feel emboldened to take risks after? Like, fuck <laughs> well, it. Well, you know, I mean, no, it was. I mean, it's you know, I was gonna say shocking, but it, I mean, you know, I mean, I felt a pretty good jolt, but it didn't. It unfortunately there was a, you know, there was a something on the handle that was. You know, I insulated me, and then the shoes insulated me. And in this weird way, I mean, I swore I was blown up into the air. It was like I was blown wow. off the ground. Wow, crazy! So, I mean, yeah. it's got, I I had one slight lightning experience where I was in a cabin in Maine, just lying on a bed that had like it was in summer camp where they you know they're metal beds. Mm -hmm. And oh, I don't yeah. know where, I think the lightning just struck the ground outside yeah. the yeah. cabin, and I got a shock because sure. I was holding the bed. Sure. So I can only imagine what it's like to get hit by the right, lightning. Yeah. I mean, well, what's the percent? Usually, people don't survive, or is it fifty percent? No, or? I don't. I don't know. I know a lot of people. I know if you've been hit, supposedly you're more likely to be hit. And I, I've met a really? lot. Really? Yeah, well, he's, he's all charged. You're likely to get hit and, again. And two of the yeah. It's His like ions are all fucked. That's up. something. That's what they say. Well, I'm, you got to drink I've, a lot I've, of uh, stuff smart. I, water. Yeah, I've met. <laughs> <laughs> I've met a lot of uh, like. Uh, linemen and stuff, electric company guys, and they've been hit. Some of these guys have been hit several times, and one of them early on said, how do you sleep when there's a full moon? And I'd never noticed, but ever since then, I've, for years, it's better now, but for years, I didn't sleep 
well when there was a full moon. What's the correlation there? Wow. I don't know. It turns you into the tide. I, I don't know. It's whatever. A wolfman? Yeah. Now, what about <laughs> seeing the future? Fast anything? What? You, see, don't, no, you no, can't no, see no. the future or anything uh, like that? Clearly. Dan was hoping he had a good prognosis for him. Clearly. I thought it was be like the dead zone where the guy gets out of the coma and he, <laughs> right. he can see the future. It doesn't help with the future. He I saw the, left a couple saw of weeks the future ago. of comedy and it was Boston. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it says here, ten uh, percent of people struck by lightning are killed. Yeah. Oh, there you go. All right. So uh, I want to go into more into stuff that was in the documentary, but uh, you are quite uh, politically oriented. Yeah. And I wonder if you have any take on the election. Were you shocked? Were you, uh, is it just? Is this, well, I wasn't completely. Is this the shocked. end of America? Well, I wasn't completely shocked because uh, I live. In the red part of New York State. And so, I mean, I knew how popular Trump was with those people. And, and I got, I've been around the country a lot this year. And you know, and I don't think, I think polling, I mean, I was distrustful of it. Uh, in this age of cell phones and so on and so forth, I don't think they have the polling down the way they used to. And I also think that a lot of these people would vote for Trump if somebody called up and said, oh, yeah, we're asking, you know, and, and you, you get these a lot of them are pretty paranoid people. They're not going to talk to somebody. Yeah. On the phone what, what, where do you live precisely? I live outside of Corning. Oh, yeah, that's Western New York. Where they, they got the, the glass people there. Yeah, right. So when you talk to your neighbors now, we're trying to here here in our bubble here in New York, we're all trying to figure out precisely what happened. And of course, everybody talks about the rage of the white working class. What did your neighbors say about Trump and why they were voting? Well, he's speaking for us, and so on and so forth, and and and, and just basically parroting his uh, his uh, his confidence that he would just win and show everybody. And it's like you know, I mean, so now we have a civil rights movement for bigots. That's <laughs> So, so you think that the people in your town, that, that it was animated by bigotry? Well, uh, yeah, a lot of these people, I mean, lit- yeah, they're bigoted. And they presume you are, too, because you're also, I'm also white. And so, yeah, I mean, I've, I see a lot of that. And also, they're very gun-oriented, you know. I mean, my neighbors don't trust me. They literally think I'm, the, the words out, don't, that guy's crazy because he doesn't have a gun. And literally, wow. my neighbors think that, like, I'm, oh, you can't trust that guy. He has no gun. And that's in New York. I wouldn't... Have, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. my parents have a house just outside of Poughkeepsie, yeah. and it's very much yeah. the same. Yeah. I mean, they call us idiots because we're liberal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have guns, and, you know, it's, and you see a lot the, of Trump signs on lawns. Poughkeepsie's not that far. No, that's what I'm saying. You're well, talking and, two hours outside of New York, so outside of Manhattan. So I mean, you might as well put a bullseye up on your lawn yeah. and put a Clinton sign up. Wow, really? If you had a Clinton sign, I mean, people talk a lot about the intolerance of the left, um, and, and, and many of them are bullies. What about if you had a Clinton sign on your lawn up where you are? What repercussions might there well, have been? Well, I mean, it would be a target. Yeah. It would get shot. Get oh, we're, about, we're going into uh, armed tourist season, or hunting season, as they yeah. call it, but it's... It's a different world. But did you, know? you see that uh, uh, Ted Nugent video I sent you, by the way? No? I didn't get a chance to watch uh, it. It's, it's a Ted Nugent reacting to the uh, victory of Trump. <laughs> and uh, uh, he, he was he happy. Had tears in his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this guy, uh, you got to see the video. I, the soft side of Ted Nugent. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, uh, he was quite pleased. Living up there, has it opened your mind in any way to a soft side to this white working class? Well, well no, yeah. I mean, here, here, here it is. They, those people aren't getting screwed. 
They are. And, and, and they just get cons. They put the wrong face on the monster, and they think, oh, the whole problem with this country is they're giving black people cheese. You know, so ah, the black people are getting the cheese. I can't believe that's what the black people are getting. Here's your cheese delivery, Larry. Hold on a second. You know, they're getting the cheese, too, but we don't talk about that. I mean, the, the head of the, of the uh, tea party in my town is this person I know, and her daughters had two babies on the state tab. And she knows how to get everybody on any sort of dole that there is. And then she's always bitching about, you know, you know, uh, taking care, you know, uh, you know. People uh, abusing the system. Yeah, right, right. right. The, uh, are, these, are these people you're describing, are they abusing the system? Well, I, I don't think so. I think they're impoverished. I think their jobs went away. I think they need some help getting some food, and I and I hope they get some health care and whatever else. I'm Do in you favor think- of taking care of them. I, I think what's, I think when some of the, if they cut all the stuff they're going to cut, they're going to hit a couple of political third rails here because suddenly, you know, your uncle that the family already helps out a lot because he's disabled, he loses his Medicaid, loses his food stamps, loses this and that. Now that's all. You want to talk about dumping something on the working class in this country. That's a real big dump. Yeah. I don't think Trump's going to cut that stuff. I, I, I well, think he's a, he, I think Trump doesn't just wants to go down as like, you know, this Mount Rushmore type president. I don't think he, he said, he said he's not going to cut entirely. I always had a theory that that's why I didn't have any problem with him because um, I just had a theory that he's still a New Yorker. Yeah, and a lot of the stuff he I was saying was way. just to get kind of elected, and I yeah. don't think he's going to do a lot of the I'm terrible stuff. Quote. I'm Are worried about what he's going to do in foreign policy the, because he has yeah. no checks on him there, and, he, yeah. and he's impulsive and. But the other thing about that is, though, he he does deal with a lot of foreign. I mean, you know, he does have buildings all over, and he does. I think he has a relationship with them. I'm, this guy said Hillary Clinton needed to take a drug test before a debate. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the day well, after he won the nomination, he, was out, just, I, he went after the gold star children. I mean, he's a, this is a guy, I always said, who, who clearly couldn't govern his behavior to his own obvious self-interests. That worries me. I mean, it doesn't... He could not have always been that way, I think, to be as successful well, as he I, was in building. But at some point... And I think Bannon is a, you know, oh, give the guy a chance, and then the first thing he does is move that guy into a corner office at the White House. I mean, I think that's a pretty, you know, those Breitbart people. I'm we, we've been on. debating Bannon all day, and um, my big complaint about Bannon, and I told him that if I, if I want to research something, and in the Google results, yeah. Breitbart, the, yeah. I, won't even, I won't even look at it, unless right. it's an interview or something, you know. Right, right. And that I find extremely offensive and I think almost disqualifying. You're a purveyor of lies. Yeah. I don't think he's an anti-Semite. I think that was ridiculous and they discredited I think themselves. He, I think he certainly looks the other way at a lot of anti For instance, that, that um, uh, renegade Jew thing that they, yeah. they trumpeted. If you read the article, it was actually, first of all, it was David Horowitz's article. And the article was complaining that the, the never-Trumpers were selling out the Jews. It was, it was exactly, it was not an anti-Jewish article. It was an article complaining that the Jews are getting shafted. So, so the, you know, they discredit themselves when they take well, something and twist still, it. still, the alt-right is full of anti-Semitism. I mean, there's... there's the alt-right yeah. is. Well, that's but, who he's playing to. But, mean, that's, but that's, that's, he's the clarion call. And, and I mean, what I'm about to say is not partisan. It applies wherever and whenever it rears its ugly head. When you take something that a guy said to mean A... And, 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 and presented to me to imply that he meant B. And you know he meant A. Yeah. I'm like, go fuck yourself. You know, if, if, you, if the truth wasn't good enough for you, 
you got a hard time convincing well, that, me. I mean, you know, and, and that on that specific case, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, I must say, I was bigoted against Breitbart years when Breitbart was still alive, you know? Who when himself, I, I think, was gay. Yeah, well, of course, self-loathing. I mean, you know, projecting your self-loathing on society. We've had right. a lot of right-wingers do that in this country. J. Edgar Hoover, for instance. Yeah. But uh, Breitbart, I mean, that whole organization, if you just look at what goes on, if you look at just sort of the comment trails and stuff in there, you don't have to go far to find some really anti-Semitic stuff and hate stuff that... Somebody, if there was any sort of legitimacy to them, they would go, look, we draw the line here. We yep. can have discourse. We can disagree. We can do this. We can do that. But we're not here for this. And that, th- this guy, I think, fans those flames. I think Bannon is dangerous. And I think it's an insult to my old man who fought to end fascism, you know, that, that he's sitting in a corner office at the White House in a couple of months. You know, I, I have real sympathy for that point of view. Uh, I, I suspect I told him that, I was like, why would Trump, why would Trump put him in the Oval Office? Like, what was he? And I suspect that he passed over him to make Priebus chief of staff. Yeah. And and I've been in this situation. Now, what am I going to, am I going to insult this guy? I don't want the guy at Breitbart. Like, I don't want him on the tent pissing in. I want him in the tent pissing out. Say, fuck it. Let me give him a title and, and let him. I, I, be, I have hope about that, too. I have uh, hope that that's just the. Well, there has again. It, it's the question is: Can is Trump acting in his self-interest, or has he fucking lost his mind? Because in his own self-interest, I don't see where the Bannon thing gets him. He could have Bannon as an advisor without giving him a title. Right. So he must. See- a lot of the early choices are making me nervous, but I, I just have hope. I, I guess I just that's all we have, right? And as the editor yes. of ISIS magazine, I don't mind telling you. <laughs> <laughs> I had a weird feeling. Uh, uh, Just got voted for Trump. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, I don't think he would do that. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't lost his mind. Anyway. I'm saying, I, mean, I have a career you know, to think speak, about. Speaking of ISIS, though, I mean, I do, I've never been one to be overly panicked about terrorism because you consider just the percentage of things and the odds. Well, you've been you hit know. by lightning, yeah, so right, you, right, you right, want right, to be scared right, of terrorism. Right. <laughs> right. But uh, were, I those, were I involved in that, I would be pretty excited about testing out a way to push this guy's buttons and by wanting to test out how to push these guys' buttons that does make us a little less safe so I'm a little more concerned about the next several months damn it I didn't even think about that (laughs) yeah Yeah. no I haven't been watching the shows uh, here the past few days but uh, I don't know if uh, a lot of comics have been doing jokes about this whole thing I I haven't been watching the shows either I'm sure they must be Uh, you know it's it's one of those I mean it's like it's one of those things you kind of have to talk about because, like, given the the uh, the power of the impact yeah. of it, but at the same time, you know, you don't want everybody to go on stage and and sort of do this and hit the same joke, you right. know. Well, and, there's a lot of talk about Chappelle kind of giving his hope vote, so to speak, for Trump on SNL. On SNL, yeah. Chappelle weighed in twice. Chappelle yeah. weighed in once, kind of defending Trump on right. the uh, grab the pussy comment. Yeah. And then he weighed in and said, I want to give uh, Trump a chance. Yeah, on SNL. And he I, got I a su- lot of negative feedback for I that, I suspect actually. Chappelle kind of knows Trump. He Makes kind sense. of alluded to that. With, like, they used to hang out at the same parties, maybe you know some of the same people. And I think he, Chappelle, this is just my guess. It's not like I had some trouble like reconciling the, sh- the Trump that he's met hanging out with Puff Daddy in the Hamptons and the Trump that he sees on TV mm-hmm. now. And he says, well, let's see. Let's That's really a smart a move, especially he even mentioned on SNL that he was rich. And, you and know, he wanted that- to stick around and, and see what these tax cuts bring. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, I, you know, I think he, I think he did, did it right. You know, you don't want to start some. I mean, I, you know, what does he have to complain about, really? 
in his uh, status. And then maybe he's like where I was, where you, do, you just well, don't want to listen mean, to the celebrities. Here's one thing telling you can complain you about. You, Some guy uh, might not recognize that he was Dave, Dave Chappelle, Chappelle, but yeah. might realize he's black. Right. That's all I realized. I didn't even know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so in, in this documentary yesterday, I'm, I, I'm sure. Well, where did you see it? Netflix? Netflix. It's on I'm, Netflix. I'm sure I can talk about it because it's in the documentary. Yeah. Uh, uh, we saw the, the, this horrifying story of how you were m- mal- raped, raped as, as a, a child. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. One of the most horrifying things. I mean, you talk about his uh, head into the pinnacle and asphyxiating. I mean, baby. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to see the thing. Up, up in Corning? And, uh, in Syracuse. And I have. Why do you still live up there? <laughs> hold on, hold on. I have I have two small children. Calm down, all right. We're gonna, maybe we can get through this part without you getting a line in. <laughs> I, have, I have I have two small. No, what this is just my rapes as a four year old? Right, okay. uh, I, I have two small children. Yeah. And this is a subject which highly concerns me, and I'm highly uh, I was right in tears. I'm highly moved by. And interestingly enough, we had a woman from the ACLU on two weeks ago. Right. And she was I don't want to get her wrong. But she was essentially saying that she thinks that child pornography, she, she kind of finally conceded, well, if you're the one paying somebody to make the child pornography, then it's a crime. But other than that, you can't punish it. You can you consume it. You're demanding the children be abused, period. That's and, period. And, and, I thought, like, and I'm a member of the ACLU. I mean, I, I, may, I may owe them dues, but I've been a member of the ACLU, and I will re-up. But... I disagree. I'll use my First Amendment rights to say, you know, that's crap. You know, I mean, you can't have that stuff without children being harmed. It's as simple as that. Right. And if you're and if you're adding to the demand for it, you're asking for more children to be raped and abused. I, I agree with you. And she said, again, tell me, she made the argument, well, it actually is an outlet for these uh, uh, pedophiles. So it's a good thing that they can get their child pornography because somehow that's an outlet. Oh my for God, thank God I wasn't on that show. Again, I mean, it just stops with the fact that there's children in these things who are being harmed. And, I talk, and I've met, because of the work I did on it, I've met a lot of people who 30, 40 years ago were photographed while they were being raped and they're still ruined to this day. They're, have you seen this picture? Have you done? And I try to explain to them, look, the good people, someone like me who was investigating something, who saw something, it's just going to see a little sweet kid getting harmed. And that's what we see. And then we see an evil person there, too. And these people that consume that stuff are only going to see a child there. They're not going to recognize you as a 40-year-old adult and go, oh, you, you know, they don't, they don't see. Adults don't even register with them. They're fixated on that. But they're very, very dangerous. And I think something that's been proven over the years that I said in 95 when I testified in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee about it was that the, these guys, they don't, uh, uh, you know, if you find the people that are consuming that stuff, you're going to find a lot of people who are actively harming children, too. Case in point, Jared Vogel. You know, I mean, and there's been a lot of cases again and again where you, they get busted for child pornography. They start to go through the hard drive, and the next thing you know, the kids from next door, down the street, or in the Cub Scout troop, the guy, whatever it is, you know, that. So if you find that stuff, there's more than just, it's not just this, out, you know, I mean, what is it, an unhealthy outlet? What the, what would you even call that? I mean, that's yeah. just... That's just, you know, that, that, that's like a horrible debating club that woman's in. Well, someone has to take this side, you know, like, wow, I, 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 I agree with you a thousand percent. And, you know, it's, it's so different. And this applies to a lot of politics, actually. It's academic for somebody on one side. 
and it's real life on the other side. Yeah. And the academic, and this, and and you might even disagree with it, but like when I hear people in Arizona on a border town complaining yeah. about what the fuck it's like to live with all these immigrants, I'm like, my first instinct, and I'm not anti-immigrant. My first instinct is, wait a second, before I start judging them, I really don't know what it's like. Maybe it really fucking is a problem yeah. over there. Maybe their life, you know, is really upside down. But no, I believe in freedom of this and freedom of that. I hope you see the analogy. People mm -hmm. need to be more, make a better attempt to, to, before you assume the worst about somebody, really try to open your mind and make, let me understand where they're coming from. I really don't understand. Now, this is the ultimate example, but if somebody like this, you can't even put your fucking... Uh, Put, put yourself in the shoes of someone who's a victim of, of child rape like that's that's how fucking academic the ACLU has become and she can sit there without I mean it it, it, it infuriates me and I'm a free speech guy believe me well but, I mean yeah you, but you were very calm uh, at the time when she was here yeah but I but I was contemptuous of I liked her yeah. I just couldn't believe that she was so like, like she could think that way you know but do you think that it, it's more of just a, they can't they just can't find a better alternative and it's just she I feel like politics is like that a lot too it's she just went like we'll settle far. for this because she didn't even believe that it should be like that somebody Whoa. should there should be a law against showing it on television she I mean, didn't that's, no, I don't believe she what? said that yeah, I, I, she well, said we, there should be no censorship I said even porn she said even porn no no she didn't say child porn should be shown on television she didn't see any distinction between um, child porn not so sure about that well, we have to okay. go back to the archives go back to the videotape but, uh, someone's you know, insane she's, <laughs> no, I, I don't think she said that she's not here so um. studies have actually shown that that for people who have compulsive perversions like pedophilia that having access to pornography that scratches that itch actually sometimes I'm talking about the children crimes. in the movies well fair enough but I don't think me showing you this image harms the kid when the movie was produced I think again we go after child porn producers and parents who allow their kids in that situation, but to be a felon because you saw a single image, I think is over the top and counterproductive. Because you show okay. it, you distribute it. That's what I'm saying. Well, you don't have to distribute it. All you have to do is access it under federal law. No, I'm asking you, should it be a crime to distribute? Do you think it? that my viewing distribute. of Jennifer Lawrence's? No, yes, I'm more open to that. Okay. I'm sorry, I thought you were just meant I'm like a, t hey, a TV I'm station at a should not be able to show child porn. Yeah, I think that's fair. Do you think Michael Jackson did it? Yes, you do. I'm convinced. I mean, who builds a uh, you know a gated playground house yeah. with, a, with an amusement park Never on it? You know, uh, although we did finally answer the question: How do you get to sleep at night? Right. Uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that is the best drug. And, 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 yeah. who, and yeah. who settles a case for millions of dollars? Yeah, right. uh, the first time I just, and yeah. then does it again yeah. unless they have an, a, a compulsion they can't control. Yeah. Woody Allen did. Woody Allen do it. I don't think that looks good either, but I have. I agree with you. You know, I, I don't think it looks good at all. And if when you start looking at his movies and whatever, there's sort of a fascination in that area. But uh, I've noticed that too. I think it's in either Crimes and Misdemeanors or Hannah and Her Sisters, and he's using the one that they say he touched. I don't remember which child it was. The Dylan. One, the girl, Dylan, right. She's in the movie as a little girl, and there's like all these um, shots of her which don't progress the film. And uh -huh. because it's in my head now, I notice this. Oh, that she's could be like a love eating cake. What about, the, yeah. what about this character? This, uh, this, uh, this character, Vladimir Nabokov, wrote a whole novel dedicated to banging fourteen-year-olds. Well, fourteen-year-olds is different. Well, be that as it may, it is different. But I, you have it's to wonder different. about a guy that has a whole, writes a whole novel. 
First of all, the age of consent in Puerto Rico today. Maybe she was. Th- is, how old was Lolita at the beginning? Yeah, and that but that was also that took place. The in age what? of consent in Puerto the Rico 30s, is yeah. 14. 14. 14. American citizens like are are allowed to have sex with 14 year olds in Puerto Rico. Now I don't. Really? I, I, yeah, really, and you know, and I think that. 14 was an age for a long time was considered okay. But there is a bright line between attract, being attracted to a mature woman of 14 and a prepubescent child. And I think that psychologically they're two different animals. Oh, right? well, there's a fine line maybe in terms of one is maybe more understandable, but in terms of the harm to the child, yeah. uh, they're both they're, they're certainly comparative. Uh, you know, having sex well, with a 13-year-old with big boobs is harmful to the 13-year-old, even though she's got monster titties. <laughs> I'm not sure you're right. If it's rape, yes. If it's consensual, it, it might be something that bothers her when the, she gets older. But that's what we have the term informed consent. And before a certain age, you know, you're not capable of informed consent. People go, hey, they're having sex with a dog. It's like, no, it, it's always rape with a dog. A dog can't <laughs> give you informed consent. You know, you know what tells dog joke? Rapist. A dog you know, can certainly uh, make uh, noises uh, that are... It tells jokes. if the horse doesn't like it, why does it get so wet? Well, <laughs> <laughs> he, he said the, the good thing about fucking a horse is you always have a ride home. Yeah, yeah. he has a whole slew <laughs> of jokes. No, I, I think that the, the 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 term, believe me, I'm not for either of them, but the term pedophile is used very sloppily. A, a uh, I know. Yeah, there's gradations, but it still has to do with consent and, and capability and the damage that can be done. And, you know, I mean, and you still can swindle someone who's younger than you, mm-hmm. you know, into stuff that they aren't ready for or but, uh, whatever. It just... A five-year-old. You know, um, this. Yeah, well, this of course. Is kind of. I don't even understand I don't sex. I was. Um, it was uh, my nieces bought mitzvah or something, and her friends were over the house, and we had a party, and I was drunk. Too many Jews on this. Show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, well, they're Barry's not. They're not only Jewish. half. They're only half. Um, but I was talking to this girl, and I was, and she, she's she's thirteen, and I'm just like, hey, you know, you should come into the city. We should hang out. And I'm talking the fuck to her, is like, the matter with you? well, then I realized, I'm like, what am I doing? It just came naturally because it seemed like we were having a conversation. And then when I realized she was thirteen, I left. I went home that day and hit a deer, like because I, I was supposed to stay over. And I'm like, what and the, the hell? Deer didn't so, give consent. <laughs> but I'm, th- I'm saying like it's like a, a a normal person realizes at that moment, like what 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 what's happening here? But I. I can see where the sickness would be like you know where, where you could you have to make you know you, you not to dwell on it my only point yeah. is that when a when a when a normal man sees a a post-pubescent woman fully developed it's natural to be attracted to her then you realize how old she is like right. no that's a mistake a, a normal but when you see a five-year-old you're not even supposed to be attracted to a five-year-old it's not supposed to be like right. you, you you know better it's it is something there's something different going on there yeah. and, and that's it's a different psychological problem but it is somebody who's like diseased right i mean well, that's that's what i was gonna do what well, do you, well, how you do know you, but if we pathologize it too much then we're just letting off the, i mean right now oh, you kind you kind of yeah. have to all I know is that pe- people that offend in this way after, say, the age of 21 just basically never stop as far as we know. I mean, they'll con you, they'll do whatever, they'll sit in jail, they'll say whatever you want to hear, and then they'll get out and they'll offend again. So I don't believe in putting them in draconian prisons or whatever, but I believe in segregating that. If someone offends that way after a certain age, I don't want them out on the streets ever again anywhere where they can get near a kid. And that's a terrible thing but i don't care if there's two golf courses at the goddamn prison you know that doesn't upset me i don't care if they have cable tv and they eat well you know good that's they just fine. need to be separate i just want them segregated from right. children who they can harm because i know 
I deal with a lot of people that are harmed. They saw the movie. They contact me. I hear from a lot of people. I've been working with a lot of people for years. And I'll tell you, the worst part of this Trump thing is when, when his cheesy behavior came out. A lot of people I've been working with for a long time started calling me, sounding like they did the first day I talked to them, because they're hearing the same basic alibis and excuses and put the victim on trial shit. I mean, this guy, he either did what he said he did or he said he did that, which is, I mean, either way, shouldn't you be gone? You're a creep. You're either going around grabbing, I mean, you know, like sexually assaulting women or you're saying that you do it. Well, I mean, I okay, saying that you do it, that might not be illegal, but if we have you on tape saying you're doing it, maybe it would be kind of weird to make you president. Well, Chappelle's take on that was he, you know, I mean, you've heard Chappelle's take on that whole grab no, them by no, the I pussy. He, he he said they let you grab them by the pussy. In other words, they're, da- they're, down, they're down with it. You know. Well, they let you. That it was cons- Chappelle's point is that he I was describing I'm, consent. But I've met a lot of women in my day, and it was just never the first move. You know? Yeah. Certainly, yeah, I mean, certainly I is that. not the first. It seems move. like that's kind of a nerve I th- I, center. I mean, I, I think a lot of people. <laughs> I think a lot of people feel he was just making the point that when you're famous, you can do anything. you can do anything, and mm-hmm. and it came out in that. You know, I'm not. Prepared. I I never condemned them for for saying that. It's just then we heard that maybe he actually did these sorts of things that yeah. came out in, at later. Mm-hmm. You know, but I do. Uh, there are a lot of women that I have spoken to that are crying that I posted on Facebook. This w- one woman I know that wanted me to. Uh, to, uh, re- to uh, share something she wrote about how she has been traumatized by the election and she's, she's basically like post-traumatic stress disorder yeah. after Trump has been elected. So mm-hmm. I post that. And I got a lot of... A lot of people said, wow, this is great and I feel the same thing. And a lot of, guy, and a lot of people were saying, you know, butt man up and this, you know, don't be... Don't be uh, Listen, everybody's uh, got... These college kids are... They're well, they, they had that reaction. Coloring books, really? Well, they, and other people you, had I'm your reaction, though. In other words, people. First off, they lost. They lost. You know, you lost. And I don't believe in inconveniencing cab drivers and truck drivers. Thank you. Because you know, I just don't believe in that, and I never have. And I've been involved in a lot of peace marches and things in my day. I've been involved in every possible kind of demonstration. And again and again, I think, well, if we're trying to win these people over. The the first thing we don't start off by annoying them. Okay. Secondly, the electoral colleges we knew coming in. That's how you decide these elections and so I mean the popular vote thing that's interesting but it's it's not it doesn't apply the elector you had to win 270 electoral votes if you do that you're the president that's what he did he's the president now after that telling me what well, you've really got to give the guy a chance and no I've seen him not give all sorts of people chances I'm not partic- I don't have any faith at all in the guy or the people that are close to him I but think they're very the scary to giving him a chance is no alternative. He's well, going to I mean, be in the White House because it doesn't depend on my permission or not. I'm just going to remain skeptical. I'm, oh, gonna, I'm not, not going to go like, "Well, gee, you know, maybe he'll surprise me." <laughs> I don't think so. As he moves the guy from Breitbart into the White House, but that's just me. But you know, but that's my choice. I can do that. What I can't do is say that the election election results don't count because the popular vote was different than the Electoral College vote. We do it on Electoral College. We knew it coming in. If we weren't sophisticated to know that coming in, then we're assholes. Well, you know? well, isn't we there something, though, technically certain electors in certain states can go the other way? Could you, um, you think things are bad no, now? Could you I, I, imagine? I'm not yeah. suggesting yeah. they do that. <laughs> I'm saying technically speaking, I think the exactly Electoral no. College... Yeah. Yeah. 
I think the idea of the Electoral College was because the founders didn't quite trust the people well, and figured course. maybe the electors, if they, if some guy's really, 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 really horrible, Listen, can I, the can, electors can go the other way, theoretically. Yes, I agree yeah, with you. If they yeah. did that, there could be armed revolution. Yeah. I, I, I only worry about this. There is an aspect of human nature, I recognize it in myself and I try to resist it, which is that when you stake such a claim to oppose and dislike somebody, mm -hmm. you start rooting for them to live up to your expectations. Yeah. And then even when they do something, this would happen to Obama, even when he would do something that they, would, they ought to have liked, the right would right. not accept it no matter what he did because they could not give up the delicious feeling of hating him, I you know, like or, or God well, forbid pe being proven wrong about him. People don't like to be proven wrong. So, Noam, of course, is is certainly part of that group. <laughs> no, but nobody does what I'm saying. So I'm, I'm aware of that. And I try to control myself, like not to get, because I know that I don't, I don't, it's, this is not, I'm not rooting for the Mets here. I want to be a patriot first. I want what's best for the country. And if he does something good, I want to be able to recognize it if it's him or anybody else. No, I'll be else. the first one to say. I mean, yeah. if he does something good, like infrastructure fine. or help or help. Right. No, I'm no, I'm. What you need to know about Noam and Barry, you don't know Noam very well. He's obsessed with infrastructure. No, he's not. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think <laughs> Trump, Trump's first thing is he's going to put brand new state-of-the-art checkpoints all over the industry. <laughs> <laughs> Noam has a problem with the airports in this country. I find them more than serviceable. I, I listen. I I don't want to get into infrastructure, but I just but. think that when I was a kid. If you were to imagine the state of the art in the world of various roads, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then looked at America, we represented it. Yeah. Now we're still in the seventies, and the rest. Of, if you go to the to Qatar, you see the state of the art. Right, and, they got and in that sense, the "Make America Great Again" reverberates for me. Yeah, I still want to be the America when I was a kid. Well, we were the the, the best of everything when we put men on the moon. Where if it happened, if it was great and it was happening, it was happening in America. And that's actually not just. That's also good for binding a nation. Well, I, 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 and, and we are a big country, and we need, and whether anyone likes it or not, we need big economic stimulus. And if it does something that's peaceful and makes it safer and saner, fine. So repair the infrastructure. I'm all for that. I'd much rather do that than buy. You know, I mean, they're still listening to the Republican debates this year. They're all upset about how many battleships we had. You know the last time we used a battleship in a battle? 1944 in the Battle of Leyte Gulf. My father <laughs> was true? there. He's been dead 20 years, okay? And we still have to, and they were like, our, and they talk about the military like it's this one thing. Oh, it's just faith. You can barely tell, you know, have faith in Tinkerbell. You know, I mean, like the mili U.S. military, really? The Pentagon's so greedy it has an extra side on its building. I mean, if we <laughs> if we took that same money and put it into stuff that, <laughs> just got the joke. <laughs> that, that sustains life, you know, or, or makes life safer and better like an infrastructure like a cleanup of a city like improvement of our i'm all for that I, and and we need the, and that's the space program when it was a peaceful thing was the greatest because it was this huge program at all kinds of jobs and we got all these benefits from and, well and, we don't have a man in the moon but as i pointed out on our last podcast we do have satellites and gps which is not pretty the damn same right not the same you wait until china puts a man on on some other planet we're gonna be like, oh, that that is that's the clear mark demarcation that right. that, 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 but do you, that you, something has changed. But now no, it's no, now it's happening in China, not in America anymore. And psychologically, for a nation that does not even share a nationality, right? That as a, they'll always be Chinese, Damage. right? We need these things to bind us together, to, so that so that people of all ethnicities and races can take pride as Americans. And we're losing that, as you know. I don't trust the mosaic. 
The melting pot, I believed in. Yeah. The mosaic, wherever it's tried, it, it rips apart. Even in Canada, the French and the, the I mean, a mosaic yeah. is unproven and risky. And I, I, by, by I, mosaic, you mean that people, it's not a melting pot, but that everybody retains their culture. Yeah, and, like Yugoslavia, yeah. Well, and when you stay, j stick just to your people, you're a lot easier to kill. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you Identify. Know, if, yeah. I move, now, if I move next door to your cousin, you know, you might you know, it's like they at least blow that up being the building. Said, you, that, <laughs> being, that being said, you go to Noam's house on a holiday, not a Gentile in sight. Uh, <laughs> what are you talking no, I'm about? I'm only, I, I was I trying had, to get a line I in. had a rapper at my, at my uh, uh, Passover dinner. I had a rapper at my Passover dinner. Passover is different. But, but, that but, but, but that being said, Noam has a certain type of friend, you know, very intellectual, bookish. Uh, you know, right. thank you, Dan. Friend. Thank you, Dan. He's got to lash out. I'm just saying, you know, you haven't reached out to the working class. <laughs> Actually, you're wrong. I'm married to a Puerto Rican. Yeah. And, and well, that's different. That's sexual. And the family is working. And class. my family, my mother in law lives. Yeah. I have reached out to the working class. Uh, and I and I browned that my, my family is of color now. My, my, the Dwarmans here for, are now a family of color, correct? I mean, they're, they came out pretty light-skinned, but they're a family of color. I mean, they're going to get affirmative action is what I'm saying. That's awesome. <laughs> and they're going to be Barry, able, able to are, get into those Ivy League schools. Absolutely. This is the first I've met Barry. What a wonderful... Wonderful guest and a wonderful wit and a wonderful guy. He's fantastic. Well, th thank you so much for you, having you're me. Yeah, you're a stand-up. Yeah, I am. I but am. you're also a, cl you're a club owner. Up, up. No, I, I'm, no, I ran a couple of clubs. I never owned anything. I'm a, you know, I got 0% off the top. That was my deal. <laughs> but I just needed, we knew we needed stage time and stuff, so I got a couple of clubs going in Boston. And then, uh, you know, once we were up and running pretty well, then I went and concentrated on my performing career and writing and stuff. This documentary is absolutely riveting. Riveting. Mm -hmm. That I mean, Chinese uh, restaurant in Boston is so legendary. Yeah. You know, I've only heard, I never, I think I might have been there once. I don't know. I just heard, it was so, like, a lot, Jay Leno was there all the time. Well, no, right no, now. no, he wasn't. No? no? That, see, that's funny how that grows, but Leno wasn't there. Who were some of the people you saw for <laughs> you the know, first time uh, there? Well, the people, you know, the people, and Stephen Wright, and uh, Paula Poundstone, and Lenny Clark, and... Gavin and Sweeney, Meanie, Kilimini, and God, I, you know, when I start naming people, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna not name somebody and insult them. But you know, the incredible amount of talent, and plus all the talent that came through town too. You know, I mean, a bunch of guys, Neilan and Rooney, and people like that. I got to know from coming to the Ding Ho. It was it was J great. Jimmy Tingle was a lot in the documentary. Oh, Jimmy he's Tingle was the bartender at the Ding Ho. Wow. And Randy Critical. Critical. Oh used wow. To come up a lot. Yeah. Randy Krenico, didn't he just run for mayor here? He yeah. did, okay. Not oh, just, you know what? But yeah. I just saw him. He plays H.R. Puffin stuff on a kid's show now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> good. He's That's a pretty good money. job. Yeah. He's, he does great voices. <laughs> and, and poor Kevin Meany uh, died uh, uh, two yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, he's one of my best friends. He's a big kid. He was, we had, we had he him do, on the show. He, he lost a lot of weight, and then he died, or did he lose weight for I a long time? I think he lost a lot, a lot of weight. I don't know. I mean, you, you know, think that has something to do with it high. when you yeah, lose. I, I don't know. I it would, is possible. I, he's my weight, really close friend. I don't know. Weight fluctuations can be very stressful on the heart, but who knows? That's he had lost weight for a long, for quite a while. Before. That's what I was asking. I know. Yeah, yeah. No, who in the hell knows? I mean, whatever it is. It was, it I was, was wondering when somebody goes like that and they're all healthy. You know, it's a question. You know, why? Why? It's yeah. like getting hit by lightning, Dave. It's, I guess it is. <laughs> I guess I need to know because otherwise it's just too, you know, how, how can you go on? You know, it's just too, it's like Woody Allen stuff, you know, just like we're all hanging by a thread. You know, uh, it's just like I need to know. Yes, you know, so, well, there, there is that. Like when a colleague dies and, and you and you trying to convince yourself that it can't happen to you. Right. You know, so so you try to say, well, it, 
I can just avoid doing what he did and I'll be all right. Yeah, yeah it's, it's now, just natural. I, I was, as I was watching the documentary about Barry Crimmins, I had an, an epiphany of a documentary about another comedian, I guess, Dave Attell. Yeah. And my, my take on it is that this is the, the living comic most revered by his peers on the planet Earth. Oh, yeah. And the public is not aware of it. Uh-huh. And every famous comic in the world will be happy to be right. on this documentary right. about David Tell. And it would be a wonderful feeling to get you should produce it now. out to the world. Yeah, well, the question is, how do you get Dave to want to do it? But wouldn't that be... I mean, who well, wouldn't I mean, for do one that thing, documentary? They may, what's great about a tell is there's already so much footage. Yeah, there's you know, a ton of just, footage. I, t- tons of footage. Tons of, that's why we don't really need them. And, 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 and a lot of it is just getting other you people to, to talk. I mean, I talked some in the documentary, but a lot of it was other people who you know gave it some money. I think it's a good idea. I think you should produce it. I think he'd be willing to do it. You'd think he'd be willing. Yeah, it'd be great for he? his career. Why wouldn't he? I mean, why wouldn't he? Because he's David Tully. He's out of his mind. Oh, okay. Well, you but know him better than I and do. And there's the fun. Of the documentary. He's, and, and, he's Dave's best friend. They talk and, every day. And Noam is, you're looking for projects because Noam, you should know this, Noam feels like, where do I, what do I do now? I've got the, the greatest club in the world. I need new, new hills to climb. So there could be something for you to do there. It would I, be something to do. You're right. I, I do look for that. But I, I also... I, I, you really, everybody, you have to go on Netflix and watch this documentary because it really opened. It, it's just, and, I'll never forget it. And it? if I can plug something else, I have sure. a new, uh, Louis C.K. produced my new special, uh, Whatever Threatens You, is the name of it. And, and is this going to be downloadable it's on, on his it's website? It's on his website. It is now. It just Lu- came Louis out. Louis revolutionizing uh, uh, Yeah, comedy. I know. I love that. He's cut out the corporate middleman, and it's great. It's a great, uh, you know, he's really shown the way there. You're from Syracuse originally? Is yeah, that what you're Skinny going? Alice. I always like Skinny Alice. Oh, do you know uh, Moody McCarthy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's a great, you know yeah. Moody, right? He's just started working here relatively recently. He's from... Syracuse, but they have the family has a cabin on Lake Skinny Island. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, the point is, people from that part of the of the country are great. Well, can we? Yeah. Can we <laughs> when when, Lu, when your special is uh, some wise asses from up there. What, it's when, the weather makes you so, so sarcastic. <laughs> when your special is downloadable, will you make uh, sure it is? It is now. It's, it's it's there now. Yeah. Then whatever I, threatens well, you. When we do our next comedy seller email thing, we have a, so I want yeah. I want to put a link to the the, the special yeah. and, and, and to the documentary. And when and when he put it out, Louis wrote this lovely thing about me and Kevin because Kevin had just died and, and about how we had both influenced him. I mean, I always said the Goldthwait doc should have been called. Thank God I was nice to that kid <laughs> and, and now this is part two the the, the, the uh, special with uh, Louie which I shot in of all places Lawrence, Kansas which is Story. He's become quite a nice writer. Uh, I mean, uh, oh, he's a, a wonderful pros, writer. You know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, but this now may I say that yeah. this uh, this episode I think is one of our better ones. Um, we all seem to get along. <laughs> yeah, it was very peaceful, actually. Normally, Noam, peaceful. Noam and I go at it pretty heavily. <laughs> no mention of John Stewart today. You have a calming force. <laughs> Much of it's to do with uh, certain competing visions of the show, and sometimes I'm just in a bad mood because I have a road gig coming up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but in any case, uh, I thought this was, was a rather lovely discussion. All right. and uh, I had a great time. Thank there, you very much for having me. My pleasure. And I uh, hope to see you again. Maybe we can Man, talk it's more about great. More Thank you. Uh, you know, it's great to be on a podcast people hear. Usually you're on them with more people than ever hear them. That's right, and it's on the on the radio. It's on the radio, serious. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. And they, yeah. People always ask me why I don't have a podcast. And I say because if I got a podcast, there would be no one left to be a guest on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome here, by the way, anytime. anytime. Well, thank anytime. you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. 
Dave Jessica, you want to plug your uh, Twitter or your? Oh, yeah, we got the November 30th uh, football show, me and Artie Lang, and then December 20th, a Christmas cow right here with Danny Natterman well, as Ebenezer pu- Scrooge. Oh, yeah, with Perfect Cast. Oh, awesome. Perfect cast. At the Village Underground. Okay. Good night, everybody. Thank you. I call casting. That's right.